in its continuing series on the transcendental life of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his intimate devotees, Radio Krishna now presents a story about a great saint, namely Haridas Thakur. The material has been derived from the books Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita by Krishna Das Kaviraj and Chaitanya Bhagavat by Vrindavan Das Thakur and was excerpted from the book The Holy Name by Raghava Chaitanya Das. Your narrator is Amala Bhakta Das. And now the pastimes of Haridas Thakur. This great devotee made his appearance in this world at the village of Budhan, in the district of Jasur, in East Bengal, somewhere towards the middle of the 15th century. It is roughly estimated that he was born 30 to 35 years prior to the advent of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There are no authentic records of his antecedents, his parents, boyhood, education. He was born in a Muslim family. We know him under the name of Haridas, which literally means a servant of Sri Hari. Though born of a Muslim family, he possessed an inexplicable aptitude for taking the name of Lord Krishna. Hence, violating the rules of Muslim society, he incessantly repeated Lord Krishna's name. He felt it was the sole support of his life. Having lost all attachment to worldly life, even when very young, Haridas Thakur left his native village. He came to another village, Benapol, in the same district and took up residence in a small solitary cell situated in a forest. He spent the whole of his time in repeating loudly the name of Lord Krishna. Hare Krishna Mantra, a formula composed of the sixteen names of the Lord and formed of thirty-two syllables, was the one that Haridas adopted for his usual chanting. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. No doubt this was a grave violation of his social order. But the broad-minded saint Haridas was never given to such narrow sectarian feelings. Living upon alms, he continued staying at Benapol. Though a genuine saint, the great Haridas could not escape the scathing criticism and vilification of a section of the people there. Their actions and expressions were such that one is forced to believe that such persons are born in this world only for this purpose. The very sight of Haridas Thakur kindled wrath in their hearts, which went on burning with wild flames. However, their activities did not disturb his unflinching and spontaneous attachment towards his Lord and his services, even to a slight degree. 
No, he did not fall a victim to these ungodly and antisocial elements. He worshipped the sacred Tulsi plant, chanted daily, day and night, the name of the Lord 300,000 times, and ate food cooked in the houses of Brahmins, which he obtained by begging. Haridas Thakur gained within a short time great popularity amongst the local people. His reputation spread even to distant places. People from different places collected there to have a sight of the saint. They rendered him various services and tried to follow his soul-steering instructions. The enemies of Haridas could not tolerate the increasing influence that he was gaining day by day. Among these enemies, Ramachandra Khan, a local Hindu chieftain, was the foremost. He was puffed up with the vanities of wealth and a following. He was an uncompromising atheist, a terrible hater of devotion, and a noted leader of a group of skeptics. He became very jealous of Haridas Thakur and his reputation in the village and near about. He wanted to bring discredit to the noble character of the great Haridas. Being a great devotee, Haridas Thakur was a living example of all the excellent virtues. Even the worst critic could not detect a weak spot in his character. Ramachandra Khan knew this very well. He thought that he could bring about a moral disgrace of Haridas Thakur before his admirers. Unfortunately, Ramachandra Khan took Haridas Thakur to be a mere beginner in the devotional field, a weak-minded emotionalist who could be made an easy victim to the temptations of the world. Puffed up with the vanities of wealth, youth, and rank, he did not understand the marvelous glories of the devotees of Lord Krishna. Having full faith in his newly invented plan, Ramachandra Khan secured the help of the best prostitutes of the locality and asked them to spoil the character of Haridas Thakur. He promised them huge rewards. All these prostitutes, except one, did not accept the offer and retired. But one of them, young and most beautiful amongst the whole lot, ventured to accept the offer and assured him success by bringing ruin on the character of Haridas Thakur in three days' time. Ramachandra Khan was immensely pleased. He awaited the moment of his forthcoming success with great impatience and offered all help that he could muster to the young woman. He pressed her to take an armed sentry with her so that Haridas could be caught red-handed but the young harlot declined this proposal and said that she would go first by herself and that on her defeating Haridas Thakur, she would take the sentry to capture him on her second visit. Ramachandra Khan willingly accepted the harlot's plan. The young harlot started on her great adventure. She made a selection of the best costumes and putting them on reached the solitary cell of Haridas. It was an opportune time. The sun had set on the western horizon. The solitary cell of Haridas Thakur, surrounded by forest and the approaching darkness, 
appeared lonelier than ever before. An extraordinary calm surcharged with the holy atmosphere prevailed both inside and outside the hut of Haridas Thakur, who remained totally lost in the eddies of transcendental bliss. He was chanting incessantly the name of Godhead with deep concentration. It was exactly at this time that the young harlot reached him. However, she was not a stranger to certain etiquettes to be observed before holy personages. Hence, first she made her obeisances to the sacred Tulsi plant that was grown in front of the hut, and then bowing down to Haridas, she stood there a while. She then slowly sat down at his doorstep. She exhibited her body to Haridas in various gestures and postures, like one mad with sensuous passions. She tried her best to make Haridas a prey to her wishes. She finally requested him, O holy sir, you are a miracle of beauty and in the prime of youth. Which woman can resist her passions by your sight? I do not feel there is any such lady in the world. I have fallen immoderately a slave to the passions by the sight of your charming appearance. I have no power to check this. If you do not accept me, it will be impossible for me to live. Haridas Thakur did not totally disappoint her. He said, I shall certainly accept your prayer. Till I complete my due number of chanting the names, I would not be in a position to oblige you. In the meantime, be seated here, listening to the chanting of the holy name. As soon as I complete my fixed quota of names, I shall fulfill your wish. The young woman was highly satisfied. She felt that her efforts were sure to yield her a triumph soon and waited for the moment, listening to the Sankirtan of Haridas Thakur, who continued his chanting of the holy name till morning. But by the approach of the early morning, she could not notice any sign of its coming to an end. So she returned home, utterly disappointed. She apprised Ramachandra Khan of all the details of her meeting with Haridas Thakur. She assured him that her prayer would certainly be fulfilled when she would meet Haridas Thakur the next night. To Ramachandra Khan, her words were an oasis of hope, and the young harlot waited for her next opportunity. On the second day, the young woman, with all fresh hopes of success, reached the solitary hut of Haridas just after sunset, as on the previous day, after bowing down to the sacred Tulsi plant and to Haridas Thakur, she approached him. Haridas consoled her with soft words, saying, Yesterday you had to return disappointed. Please do not be displeased with me. Unfailingly, I will accept you. You need not have the least doubt about it. Till I finish the required number of names, you listen to them. As soon as the number is completed, your wish will be fulfilled. The woman followed the instructions. Time rolled on rapidly. The young woman became more and more impatient as dawn was approaching. She became restless. Noticing this impatient attitude of the woman, Haridas said gently, 
I have taken a vow of chanting a million names of the Lord during this month. The number is nearing completion. I expected the same to be completed this night, and hence chanted the names throughout, but I could not succeed. However, by tomorrow I am sure the number will be completed and my vow fulfilled. Then I will be able to enjoy your company freely. That night, too, the young harlot returned by sunrise utterly disappointed. She reported all that happened to Ramachandra Khan and the assurance of hope she got from Haridas Thakur. Full of hopes of success in her plan and with renewed enthusiasm, the harlot reached the lonely hut of Haridas Thakur on the third night. As on the previous two days, she bowed to the sacred Tulsi plant and to Haridas Thakur and sat at the entrance of the cell, listening to the chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra and repeating the same by herself. Haridas Thakur confirmed his previous assurances and said that he would definitely complete the number the same night and fulfill her wish. She was happy that she would have her wish fulfilled. By chanting the Lord's name all night in the holy company of Haridas Thakur, the sinful heart of the young woman was completely changed. She fell prostrate at his feet and confessed to him frankly all about the evil plan of Ramachandra Khan. She said, I am the worst of sinners. Being a harlot by profession, there is hardly any sin that I have not committed. I can now understand that you are not an ordinary person. You are a jewel amongst the devotees of the Lord. Under the sinful instruction of this villain Ramachandra Khan, I have shamelessly turned all my efforts to contaminate your devotional heart. But your spotless and ever-devoted nature has worked marvels in my sinful heart. By singing the holy name in your company, all my evil propensities have been destroyed. Now have mercy on this wretch. Please free this sinner from this deplorable condition. Haridas Thakur was ever kind and sympathetic to all fallen souls. The sudden metamorphosis of this young prostitute and her truly repenting words moved his merciful heart to pity. He never thought even for a moment of the loathsome activities of this young woman. He pardoned her completely and said, I am fully alive to all the evil plots of Ramachandra Khan. He knows not what he does. I wish him well. It is only for your sake that I continued my stay in this village for the past three days. If not, I would have left the place on the very first day. The young woman before Haridas Thakur was a thoroughly changed person. She no longer saw in Haridas a person who would gratify her sensuous appetites. On the contrary, she saw him as her spiritual guide her savior from the thraldom of maya or illusion, her sole support of life. She requested him in all humility to enlighten her as to how she could overcome the miseries of this transitory life. 
she had now proved herself to be a worthy aspirant for spiritual enlightenment. Haridas Thakur was fully convinced of her fitness to receive initiation into the secrets of devotion. He said, Distribute freely all the wealth that you have to Brahmins. Take shelter in this hut. Chant the holy name constantly and worship the sacred Tulsi plant. In a short time, I am sure you will attain the feet of Sri Krishna. The merciful Haridas Thakur now initiated her with the divine name, and repeating the name of Krishna, left the place forever. The young woman who had become the recipient of the causeless mercy of Haridas Thakur obeyed his instructions to the last word. By the boundless mercy of her master, she could understand the true position of beauty and wealth in this changing world. Without the least hesitation, she fulfilled the wishes of her eternal guide. All her wealth was distributed to the Brahmins. Though of young age and beautiful complexion, she got her head shaved and with a single piece of cloth for covering her nudity, stayed in the cell offered by Haridas, her merciful master. Obeying the command of her savior, she repeated 300,000 names of God in the course of the whole day and night. She worshipped the Tulsi plant every day unfailingly. Avoiding delicious meals, she was satisfied with uncooked food. Often she resorted to fasts. These methods helped her considerably to have perfect control over all her senses within a short time, and unalloyed love for Krishna sprouted in her pure heart. To the great surprise of all, she became a famous devotee of the Lord. She gained the position of a spiritual teacher. Her reputation spread like wildfire throughout. Devotees of great eminence from different areas often visited her hut for a sight of her. The inhabitants of the surrounding villages were greatly astonished by the wonderful capacity of Haridas that brought about a miraculous change in the life of a mere prostitute. Those very persons who had once hated her felt it now a great privilege to meet her. What a wonder! She, who was once the cause of the downfall of many and a repository of many foul deeds, was now fit to release others from the terrible grips of vices to a plane of perfect purity, the eternal plane of transcendental service of the Supreme Lord. Meanwhile, Ramachandra Khan, who was building castles in the air, had to meet with utter disappointment. He had to pay a heavy price for this, cr this crime of his. His cruel heart grew all the more wicked, and his hatred for God and his devotees increased very much. He brought down terrible destruction on himself. The offensive actions made him an irrepressibly arrogant man. He stopped paying regular revenue to the ruler. Hence, the Muslim ruler got offended and raided his house. He polluted the place by butchering animals. 
He cooked objectionable food there. Ramachandra Khan and all his family members were taken prisoners. The ruler and party remained there for three days, and all his property was plundered, including his village, and he was forced to take objectionable food consisting of blood and flesh of animals. Ramachandra Khan lost his caste, his wealth, his relations, and everything he possessed as his own. Offenses, when committed against the devotees of the Lord, are not forgiven even by Krishna himself. They are the worst impediments in the path of God-realization. Offenses committed against the devotees bring manifold sufferings, not only to the person concerned, but even to many others. Over and above this, it brings complete destruction of the place, that is, the village or township itself. For some time, Haridas Thakur lived at Fulia, a village situated on the banks of the river Ganges, midway between Ranagat and Shantipur, in the district of Nadia, West Bengal. Fulia was very near to Shantipur, where Sri Advaita Acharya was residing. Haridas Thakur was delighted beyond measure to have the company of Advaita Acharya. Saturated with ineffable joy, he spent his days in chanting the name of the Lord. Unattached to the mundane objects and undisturbed by the ups and downs of the transitory world, he was swimming in the ocean of transcendental bliss. By the influence of the higher qualities of bhakti, he experienced various moods. He danced, sang, wept, laughed, rolled on the ground. In short, he had all over his body the signs of divine rapture that a highly advanced devotee of Sri Krishna would experience. All the Brahmin inhabitants of the village were highly impressed by his marvelous achievements in the field of devotion. However, Haridas was not well appreciated by a certain section of the Brahmins and more especially the Muslim population there. They joined in opposition and took exception to his chanting. To the Hindus and the Muslim opponents, it was a grave violation of the social custom. All these people regarded religion as a bundle of narrow dogmas and queer restrictions. On the western side of the Ganges lay the township of Ambwa, a powerful royal officer in charge of the administration of the town and the surrounding villages had his headquarters there. The Brahmin opponents of Haridas Thakur, who had in them a deep-rooted enmity towards the devotees of the Lord, conspired with the local Muslims and came to a unanimous agreement to punish Haridas Thakur for creating social disorder. The matter was reported to the Qazi the Muslim priest, as well as the local administrator, who, after making a thorough investigation of the whole case, decided to bring the matter to the notice of his superior officer, the governor at Amboa. 
Accordingly, the Kazi himself went to the governor and apprised him of the whole case and requested him to punish Haridas Thakur in a fitting manner for his guilt of changing his religion from Islam to Hinduism. The governor, too, was narrow-minded and cruel-hearted. Forthwith, he issued orders to arrest Haridas Thakur. Within a short period, Haridas Thakur was produced before him. By the causeless mercy of Sri Krishna, Haridas Thakur was not afraid of death, not to speak of the Muslim governor and his wicked advisers. The virtuous and devoted inhabitants of Fulia felt extreme sorrow at this most unwise action of the government authorities in imprisoning a great saint, such as Haridas Thakur, and depriving them of his happy and inspiring company. Without the least hesitation, the cruel governor cast him into a prison like an ordinary felon. There were at that time many others in prison. As soon as the arrest of Haridas reached their ears, they experienced great joy. They thought that since Haridas was a devotee of the highest order, if they merely saw him, it would bring to an end the miseries of their present prisoner's life. Hence, all of them requested their warders to afford them an opportunity to have a glance at the great devotee when he passed their quarters. After a short period, he came to the very place where all of them were eagerly expecting him. Haridas Thakur was greatly moved in his heart to see them all in such earnestness. His soft and compassionate heart yielded to those convicts. He silently showered his blessings on them. The personality of Haridas impressed them deeply. His hands extended as far as his knees, a rare sign in an ordinary mortal. His moonlike face and eyes, similar to lotus petals, added to the charm of his matchless appearance. The very sight of the most handsome and revered personality, Haridas, made all the prisoners present there bow down with a natural impulse of regard and devotion. Their feelings had their consequent results. Sincere longings, even of a momentary nature, can never be a failure. The sweet wishes of Haridas Thakur were not in vain. All of them felt in their hearts a flash of unparalleled joy, which brought in them a great change in the form of loving devotion to Lord Krishna. Haridas Thakur, noticing the circumstances in the midst of which they were for the moment, blessed them smilingly thus, God bless you. May you all continue to remain forever as you are at present. Those poor prisoners felt utterly disappointed at the words of Haridas, from whom they were expecting a blessing that would surely save them from the fetters of prison life. Yes, they totally failed to grasp his kind intentions. They could not catch the meaning underlying the expression of his. Finding that all of them were disheartened by misunderstanding his words, he made haste to explain the hidden meaning of his expressions. He said, I suppose you all feel miserably disappointed over my words of blessings, which I used just now. You have utterly misunderstood the real meaning of my words. I never bless anybody in a way that would bring mishap to them. If you just try to think deeper, you will surely be convinced of my intention. Do not feel sorry over my words. 
let the minds of all of you remain absorbed in Lord Krishna, as is your state at present. This attitude that you are fortunate to have in you now is highly beneficial to you. May you all from this moment jointly chant the name of Lord Krishna and think of Him constantly. At present, the minds of all of you are entirely free from any evil thought of malice, oppression to other fellow beings and such other vices. Meditate on Lord Krishna incessantly, taking His name in all humility. If you plunge into the material world once again, you are sure to forget Him by the influence of evil company. All those offenses from which you are free at present will once again make you a target for their attacks when you mix with the people of this world. That is the invariable nature of the world and its relationship. Understand this as the substance of all that I wish to convey to you. You could not grasp it, and you misunderstood me. I never desired that you should continue to remain in this prison for life, nor did I bless you to that purpose. Forget this transitory world and its fleeting pleasures and constantly utter the sweet name of Shri Krishna. May you all be blessed with unflinching devotion to Lord Krishna. After delivering a soul-steering sermon and showering his blessings on all those prisoners present there, Haridas Thakur reached the governor. The governor had taken Haridas Thakur to be an ordinary man, but when he saw his impressive figure and striking personality, he had to change his view. He offered him a seat with great respect. The governor asked him in a familiar tone, Brother, what is wrong with you? How are you given to this peculiar disposition? It goes without saying that of all the communities in the world, the Muslim community is the best. You are extremely fortunate to have taken birth in a noble community. Why then are you given to the practices of the Hindus, who are socially our inferiors? You have transgressed the religion of your race and adopted other methods of conduct in your life. By such improper behavior in the present life, how can you expect deliverance in the next world? For the misdeeds you have already committed out of ignorance, you are guilty of grave sins. It is no use crying over spilt milk. Try to free yourself from the sin that you have incurred. I shall give you a bit of advice that would save you from your present critical situation. Recite the scriptures of our noble faith and get reinitiated into our religion, and that will be the end of the whole trouble. I am of the firm opinion that it is the only solution to meet the situation. On hearing the words of the governor, Haridas Thakur burst into laughter, saying, Wonderful is the illusory power of Lord Krishna. Listen, dear sir, God is one for all. He is the one eternal object of worship without a second, for all, Hindus or Muslims, for young and old, Hindu and non-Hindu, for man and woman. He and he alone is the supreme Godhead. Those ignorant Hindus and Muslims who have no knowledge about the true nature of Godhead, are solely responsible for these unpleasant rivalries in religion. They create separate gods, lay the foundation for unnecessary foolish quarrels, which lead to unfortunate developments of bitterness amongst the members of both sections. 
If you can forget all these petty, narrow, bigoted, and fanatic feelings for a while, and try to understand with an impartial mind the real truth by holding both the Puranas of the Hindus and the Koran of the Muslims as sound authorities in judging such matters, then and then alone we will be in a position to understand that they speak of the same truth. I am acting in the way the Lord has been pleased to guide my mind. The progress of a soul in the service of the Lord entirely depends upon the causeless mercy of the Lord Himself. We advance only to the extent to which He permits us to proceed. Good sir, please judge my case now. If you still feel that I am guilty of any offense, you can punish me. There was a big gathering present to hear this peculiar case. All the Muslims gathered there were highly satisfied by the genuine words of Haridas Thakur. All religions of the world have many ideas common in them that can impress the followers of any religion. Though Haridas Thakur could win the hearts of all the persons present there, by his lucid exposition of truth, he could not convince the sinful Kazi. For the Kazi possessed an adamantine heart with no particle of human kindness in it. He said to the governor, Let him be punished. This wicked person will mislead many others and ruin their lives. He has denounced our noble religion. The ideal that he has now set up, that is, establishing the prominence of Hindu religion, will unfailingly pave the path for many others in the near future to follow in his footsteps. This will bring total discredit upon the Muslim race. Hence, in order to remove such a slur on our society, Haridas must be severely punished. If not, let Haridas Thakur repent for his sinful deeds, accept his guilt, and follow the sublime Muslim scriptures. Akazi is a religious authority, and hence his words could not be ignored. So once again on the appeal of the Kazi, the governor spoke to Haridas Thakur. Dear brother, give up the practices of Hindus and come back once again to our fold. Recite our scriptures and be relieved of all these unnecessary worries. This is the only alternative for you now. If not, all the Kazis together will impose heavy punishment upon you. Once again I warn you, in the long run you will have to repeat our scriptures. Why should you suffer unnecessarily? Haridas Thakur was more firm in his faith and convictions than all of them put together in theirs. Neither the suggestions, nor the threatening attempts of the governor, nor the Kazis could make any change in the firm attitude of Thakur Haridas. He said, None can go against the wishes of the Almighty Lord. Whatever the Lord wills one to do, he does. There is no power on the infinite number of worlds that can revolt against God's will. Be rest assured that the fruits of one's actions are befittingly rewarded by the ever-just hands of God. 
the punishment for the various offenses committed by ourselves are awarded by the same Almighty Lord. Thy will be done. Even if my body is cut to pieces and my soul leaves the body, I will not give up the chanting of Lord Krishna's name. The words of Haridas Thakur were like piercing shafts released from a powerful bow. Everyone there was taken by great surprise. The governor felt frustrated in dissuading Haridas. Noticing the strong resolve of Haridas Thakur, he asked the Qazis, Well, what is your next move? The wicked Qazis replied, Let him be whipped in all the twenty-two streets of the town. That alone would open his eyes. He will understand the results of his sin committed by taking the name of a Hindu god. Take out his life and have no consideration for him. If he continues to survive even after severe whippings in all the twenty-two streets, then we shall believe the statement of Haridas Thakur. If he succumbs to the whippings, we are satisfied that he is severely punished for his grave offense. On the advice of the Qazis, the governor ordered his men in a loud voice, Whip him in all the twenty-two streets of the town. Execute your work in such a way that he should not survive. Being born as a Muslim, he practices Hinduism. Deliverance from such a sin is possible only at the heavy cost of his life itself. By the orders of the Qazis and the governor, a group of wicked men, nay brutes, caught hold of Haridas Thakur. They whipped him mercilessly from street to street. Haridas Thakur meditated on the blessed name Krishna continuously. absorbed in the incomparable joy of the name of Krishna, Haridas Thakur did not feel what was happening to him. He never felt any physical pain at all. The good and pious people of the town were shocked at the sight of this heinous work. They felt greatly grieved at heart. But what could they do? Some said, Oh, the whole country is doomed on account of this crime of torturing a saint like Haridas Thakur. Some fired a round of curses on the ruler, whereas some did not hesitate to organize even a regular riot. Some fell at the feet of those wicked ruffians in charge of whipping Haridas Thakur and offered tempting bribes, thinking that such offers might soften their hearts and make them desist from such severe beatings. These actions of the people did not melt the stony hearts of those cruel servants of the wicked governor. Without the least pity, they executed the order entrusted to them. They appeared, as it were, a separate creation in whom the softness of the human heart was utterly absent. 
by the continued execution of such orders, they were rendered absolutely devoid of any feelings in them. Above all, the strict orders of their master urged them still more to the work. By the causeless mercy of Sri Krishna, Haridas Thakur did not feel the slightest pain in spite of such inhuman punishment. Extraordinary endurance is the infinite virtue of genuine bhaktas. They remain so much intoxicated in the eternal service of the Supreme Lord that they never feel the pains and sorrows of the various harassments inflicted on them by the demoniac elements of the material world. Haridas Thakur was feeling sorry for those innocent persons who were involved in this terrible crime. He repeatedly prayed to Sri Krishna to shower his blessings on those innocent souls and pardon them for, for all their offenses. Such wishes for the welfare of even one's enemies could never come out from a selfish man of this world. None except the magnanimous devotees of the Lord, who are free from any prejudice, can cherish such a wish. All these people beat him severely from street to street. They whipped him with all the force they could muster to end his life. But to their extreme surprise, there was not even the least change in Haridas Thakur. He was oblivious of what was happening to his physical body as he remained lost in divine bliss. He looked as lively and cheerful as he was ever. They wondered over this fact again and again. They could not get a satisfactory clue to it. They thought with great astonishment amongst themselves, Is it possible for any human being to stand such heavy beatings? Usually by the beating in two or three streets, men are killed. Whereas we have beaten him with extreme severity in all the twenty-two streets of the town, let alone the idea of bringing death to him. It is wonderful that he often laughs. As the people remark, is he actually some Muslim saint? Thus thinking, these wicked men said to Haridas Thakur, Well, Haridas, you will be the cause of our destruction. It is indeed strange that even such continuous and vehement whippings have not resulted in your death. We have beaten you to our utmost capacity. We are now completely exhausted and there is no more strength left in us. Still, we are threatened with a heavy punishment if our beatings do not cause your death. Our superior authorities would not trust us. Kazis will certainly get enraged and put us to death for our negligence in executing their orders. On hearing these pitiable expressions of those people, Haridas Thakur said with a smile, If by my survival 
any ill luck befalls you, even after your continuous beating me for long, I am the last person to wish it. Hence, in order to prevent such a calamity, and in your best interest, I shall give up my life now. You need not have the least doubt about it. You may witness it now. So saying, Haridas Thakur engaged himself in deep concentration of the Supreme Lord. It did not take much time for him to lose world consciousness. Within the next few moments, the great Haridas became absolutely motionless. There was no sign of life on any part of his body. Those ruffians were greatly surprised at this sudden change in Haridas Thakur. How could those unlucky sinners know about the superhuman powers of Haridas? They took him to be dead. They bore his body and laid it down at the doorstep of the governor's residence. The governor immediately ordered them to remove his body for burial. Even to this order, as to the disposal of the body, the cruel Kazi had his own opposition. He had his own explanation, which was purely based on his religious belief. He said, If his body is buried after death, he is sure to attain salvation. In spite of his birth in a high family and in a superior faith, he was used to mean acts. Hence, he must be properly made to pay for the unpardonable sin he has committed. According to the religious belief of this brute of a Kazi, if the body of such a person is buried, he attains everlasting good, whereas if it is thrown in the Ganges, he will suffer endless miseries. This evil-minded Kazi, who was supposed to be an authority in matters concerning religion, had now exposed his heart to a greater extent than before. He was determined to wreak vengeance on Haridas Thakur even after his death. He wished him to take birth continuously amongst the Hindus and to suffer heavily in all his births as a penalty for taking the name of Lord Krishna. On the instructions of the Kazi, his employees lifted the body of Haridas Thakur to be thrown into the Ganges. During this time, Haridas Thakur was deeply absorbed in the meditation of Sri Krishna, and tasting the ineffable joy arising from it, his body became so heavy that they could not move it, in spite of their great efforts. The Divine Lord, in whose contemplation Haridas Thakur remained thus absorbed, made a special descent into his body. The appearance of the all-powerful Lord, the upholder of the infinite number of worlds, into the body of Haridas Thakur made it unbearably heavy. Haridas himself was floating in the eddies of the nectarine ocean of divine bliss. He was totally absorbed in his meditation, and as such he was free from any gross feelings. He did not know where he was, whether he was in the air, on the bare earth, or in the flowing waters of the sacred Ganges.
Even after a regular struggle to lift the body of Haridas Thakur by the strongest of the employees, they could not succeed. Later on, the Lord willed Haridas Thakur to allow himself to be thrown by them in the sacred Ganges. He floated in the flowing stream. By the divine will, he regained his consciousness soon. Saturated with incomparable joy, he came ashore, and chanting loudly as usual the name of Sri Krishna, he came to Fulya once more. All the Muslim inhabitants of the place were highly impressed by the marvelous powers of Haridas Thakur. They realized his greatness. They were freed from all malice. Their hearts were purified. They regarded him as a great saint. They bowed down to him in all humility. By the unaccountable mercy of Haridas Thakur, all the Muslims there were delivered from the cycle of birth and death. Haridas, who was all along in a mood of divine rapture, got back his external consciousness in a short while. On receipt of the information from the local public, the governor himself hastened to the presence of Haridas Thakur to see him. The merciful and great Haridas did not look down upon the governor, and he had no idea to avenge himself for all the atrocities perpetrated by the governor. He received the governor with a merciful and smiling glance. This charming and uncommon behavior of Haridas Thakur penetrated deep into the innermost chamber of the governor's heart. It left a permanent impression on him, unchangeable for lives to come. With all sense of reverence and with folded hands, the governor humbly said, Verily indeed, I am now thoroughly convinced that you are a saint. You have really realized the knowledge of the One, and it is well proved beyond any doubt. Forget and forgive all my offenses. Everyone is equal in your view. You have neither a friend nor a foe. There is none in all the three worlds who can understand you in your essential nature. You may freely move anywhere at your sweet will. You are at perfect liberty to do so. You may continue to stay at your solitary cell on the banks of the Ganges. Have your own choice. Stay wherever you like and do whatever pleases you. Nothing worldly can bind you. The glory of Haridas Thakur is indescribable. Not to speak of those good-natured inhabitants, the hard-hearted and prejudiced Muslims themselves forgot all the bitter feelings towards him by seeing him.
Haridas Thakur lived in a solitary cell on the banks of the river Ganges, constantly uttering the name of Lord Krishna. He chanted 300,000 names daily. The cave was a veritable Vaikunta itself to him. A huge serpent also lived in the same cave. All the visitors to the cave suspected its presence by the unusual burning sensation prevailing there. No living being could stand the burning sensation created by its poison. Haridas Thakur had a good many visitors every day. None of them could bear the influence of this poison and remain there even for a short while. But to their great surprise, they noticed Haridas Thakur quite ignorant of this. All the Brahmins put together their heads and discussed amongst themselves, why is there so much of a burning sensation in this cave of Haridas Thakur? There lived at Fulia many physicians who were adepts in the treatment of snake bites. On receiving information from others, they came and diagnosed the real cause of the burning sensation. Till the arrival of these physicians, none was in a position to locate definitely the origin of such a burning sensation. One of them said, Just beneath this cave there is an extremely poisonous serpent. I am sure it is its breath that is making it impossible for any being to live in the cave. May Haridas Thakur forthwith shift from here to some other place. It is never advisable to live in the company of a serpent which is always cruel by nature. Let us all go to him and earnestly request him to leave the cave without any further delay. As suggested by the physicians, all of them approached Haridas Thakur, apprised him of all the facts, and appealed to him to abandon it and move to some other safer place. On hearing the suggestions and requests of the Brahmins and the expert physicians, Haridas Thakur replied, I have been here for many days. So far I have not felt the presence of any poisonous or burning sensation. But I feel sorry that you feel it. So I shall leave this place tomorrow for some other place. To be frank with you, I personally do not feel the least inconvenience. But since all of you are very interested in my safety, I must satisfy you. If there dwells in the cave a huge venomous serpent, and if it does not leave the place by tomorrow, I shall quit this cave. Anyhow, you need not be anxious. Avoid all these fears and let us have our discourses on Sri Krishna. As they were thus engaged in discourses on the transcendental sports and qualities of Lord Krishna, a most wonderful event took place there. On hearing the words that Haridas Thakur would leave the place, a huge serpent slithered out of its hole and slowly glided away. All who sat there uttered the name of Sri Krishna out of great fear. On the departure of this dreadful serpent, all of them were filled with boundless joy. They were now completely relieved of all their anxieties and fears. The people assembled there could no longer feel any burning sensation. 
Overwhelmed with wonder at the marvelous power of Haridas Thakur, the Brahmins there became very much devoted to him. People who are wicked by nature and who feel great pleasure in harming other beings are apt to fall victims to the cruelty of snakes or the ferocious nature of other wilder animals. But even serpents, cruel by nature, do not harm great saints like Haridas Thakur. Why, they even readily obey all their orders. Now we will revert to Haridas Thakur at Navadweep. When he paid occasional visits to Navadweep from Shantipur, he halted at the school of Sri Advaita Acharya, situated in the neighborhood of the house of Sri Srivas Pandit, a great devotee of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There Haridas Thakur got in touch with Srivas Pandit and others, and in their company he used to spend his time performing kirtan. At this time, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was only a small boy, a most wayward boy, busy in his boyish games and funs. But in due course of time, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, after receiving his initiation at Gaya, manifested devotional ecstasy. The devoted residents of Navadweep, including Advaita Acharya and Haridas Thakur, felt highly encouraged and greatly delighted. Within a short period, the whole group found in him their savior and came under his banner, accepting him as their accredited leader. The new Sankirtan movement that Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu inculcated among his devotees in the house of Srivas Pandit Daly met with tremendous opposition from a section of the community. They employed all their resources in stopping what seemed to them a novel religion, which they thought was against the traditions of the Hindu faith and in harassing the devotees as well. With increasing vigor, they started agitations and planned secret plots to destroy the whole movement. They used filthy language and hurled abuses at the devotees. They even threatened these innocent devotees with dire consequences, including physical violence. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu felt the gravity of the situation. He pitied the deplorable decadence of the religious and moral principles of these people and the rapid turn of events from bad to worse. He wished to help humanity by popularizing his Sankirtan principles throughout the length and breadth of his vast native town. He organized regular preaching from door to door and selected for this purpose from amongst his large list of followers Sri Nityananda Prabhu and Haridas Thakur. He wanted them to convey his message, chant Krishna, serve Krishna, and practice Krishna consciousness at every door, and it was executed by them faithfully. Haridas Thakur had gained the special favor of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was now one of the Lord's most favorite followers. On the day of the grand revelation at the house of Srivas Pundit, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, in the presence of all other devotees, proclaimed the glory of Haridas Thakur. He said, Haridas, look here, you are dearer to me than my own body. 
I emphatically declare that there is no categorical difference between your caste and mine. People under the influence of extreme ignorance may attribute superiority to my Brahmin body over your Muslim one. I say they are utterly under the grip of sheer delusion. I assure you that there is not the slightest difference between ourselves. In order to establish the unparalleled glory of bhakti, Lord Krishna, by his inconceivable potency, brings about the destruction of the material body of a bhakta and blesses him with a spiritual body. And this is unnoticed by the materially minded people of the world. But since the process is a hidden secret to the materialists and intellectualists, they still hold the opinion that the devotees belong to a particular caste possessing human bodies like them and are subject to the various reactions of their own actions. By recollecting all those atrocities inflicted upon you by those sinners, my heart breaks. When I saw you being whipped in the streets mercilessly by the employees of that wicked Kazi, I forthwith came down with my fiery disc with the intention of chopping them off. But what could I do? I was completely helpless because you prayed repeatedly for pardoning them. Even at the risk of your own life and the worst physical mortifications, you longed for the welfare of all those villains, your enemies. How could I refuse your prayer? I was forced to withdraw my disc in order to relieve you from the severe pains of those whippings. I myself received them on my body. Here they are. Even now you can see those marks of the beatings on my body. I am not merely bluffing you. Your sorrows have made me hurry up to your rescue. Advaita Acharya has truly recognized your greatness. He has made me a captive by his loving services. By hearing those words from the holy lips of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Haridas Thakur, transported with unbounded joy, fell down unconscious. He remained senseless, lost in an ocean of incomparable delight. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu woke him up from his spiritual swoon. He asked Haridas Thakur to witness his revelation to his heart's entire satisfaction. Haridas Thakur could not see anything, and he wept profusely. He had all the signs of spiritual perturbations on his body. He rolled on the ground. He heaved deep sighs. He swooned. He was overcome with divine ecstasy. His feelings had become uncontrollable. Composing himself in a short while, in all humility and with folded hands, he praised Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu thus. O Lord, O Master of the Universe, O Savior and Protector of the infinite number of worlds, have mercy upon the sinner. You are my sole support. Bereft of any qualities, a fallen outcast as I am, how can I speak of your infinite excellences? 
By seeing me, people become sinners, and after touching me, they need a complete bath. It is your solemn promise that you do not neglect even the lowest and smallest of your creations who remember your holy feet, and do not spare even sovereigns if they prove arrogant and ungodly. Out of your causeless mercy, you afford shelter to all those souls who remember you. But how unfortunate I am. I have not in me even that quality. Words fail me to express the wonderful effect of remember remembering you. What a marvelous potency it possesses. What a tremendous force it carries. Did you not rescue Dropity from the terrible grip of the villain Dusasan, who under the orders of his wicked brother, the arrogant Duryodhan, dragged her to a huge assembly of many eminent men, heroes, princes, and ministers, and made a shameless and boastful attempt to remove her clothes? Ah, how promptly and cleverly you dressed her in clothes when she wailed aloud piteously and surrendered unconditionally. See, in spite of all his efforts to undress her, he did not succeed. Out of sheer exhaustion and shame, he was compelled to leave the assembly, hanging his head down. Hiranyakasipu did everything to kill his great son, Prahlad. He was poisoned, thrown into the midst of huge and extremely venomous serpents, cast into burning fire and into the sea. But what was the result? Who amongst us does not know the final fate of the demon Hiranyakasipu? But by remembering you, the great Prahlad could withstand all these atrocities perpetrated on him without the least suffering. In spite of knowing these wonderful effects of remembering you, I am such an unlucky and wretched person, utterly destitute of this great wealth. But my Lord, you are an ocean of mercy. Overlooking all my defects, you are gracious to accept this insignificant servant. Therein lies the real nature of your unparalleled mercy. Undeserving as I am in all respects, I have only one humble prayer at your feet. Before he could conclude his words, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu assured him that he would do the maximum in granting all his prayers. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was immensely satisfied on hearing the devotional expressions of Haridas Thakur on the glory of the Lord's remembrance and was looking ahead to confer upon him suitable boons. Haridas continued his prayer. My Lord, I am an unfortunate wretch, but my demand is too high. It is like that of a dwarf aspiring after the moon. May I be blessed with the sacred remnants of those who serve you with their body, heart, mind, and soul. May these remnants in every birth of mine be the objects of my devotion. May the idea of accepting their remnants be my duty, nay, my religion. 
I have no desire for salvation or any other type of attainment of fruits. But let not my mind, even for an insignificant fraction of a moment, deviate from the above prayer of mine. That is, for the sacred remnants of all your favorite servants. Let this sinful life of mine, bereft of your remembrance, be sanctified by the holy remnants of your genuine devotees. In all the infinite number of worlds, there is no higher position than that of becoming a servant of all your servants. I am highly ambitious. Hence I prayed for the highest position which I do not in fact deserve. It is such a lofty position that even great gods are aspiring after it. Perhaps my prayer may be an offensive one owing to my ineligibility for achieving such. O Lord, O Savior of fallen souls, please have mercy to forgive and forget all the offenses of this ignorant and unworthy servant, committed consciously or unconsciously. O my Lord, grant me this favor. Make me a dog and keep me at the house of your devotee. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was highly impressed and moved by this prayer of matchless humility. He said, Listen, listen to me, my dear Haridas. You are a jewel amongst the devotees. He who has gained your company even for a single day, or with whom you had conversation even for a fraction of a moment, would undoubtedly attain me. I promise you this. Whoever respects you respects me as well. I always remain in your body. It is my pride to have a servant of your courage. You have for all time to come imprisoned me in your loving heart. I assure you that you need not be afraid of any offense. Exempted from any offense either towards me or towards my devotees, you are free to carry on your devotional practices. The boon conferred on Haridas Thakur was appreciated by all the devotees with great pleasure. Who can estimate the fortune of Haridas Thakur? Neither high caste, nor birth in a great family, nor the performance of noble deeds, nor even the possession of enormous wealth can help a person attain to the Lord. It is only an earnest longing, a burning appetite for the inexhaustible wealth of divine love that will enable one to have access to Sri Krishna. Within a short period after Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu settled at Nilachal, Haridas Thakur reached that place in the company of other devotees from Bengal. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had strong affection for Haridas. He was extremely delighted to hear the news of the arrival of Haridas and other devotees. 
all devotees except Haridas Thakur proceeded directly to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He received them all, but Haridas Thakur was conspicuous by his absence. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very eager to meet Haridas, and on inquiry, he received the surprising news that Haridas Thakur was lying prostrate at a long distance on the road itself. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu immediately sent for him, but Haridas Thakur preferred to remain away. He said, I am of a low caste, a most unworthy person. I do not deserve to go to the temple limits. If I am favored with a small space, somewhere inside the garden, close by, I could lead a lonely, happy life by remaining there. I need not touch the servants of Lord Jagannath and pollute of Lord Jagannath and pollute them, and thereby stand in the way of their service of the Lord. Hence, I prefer to remain apart. This is my humble desire. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very happy to hear this decision of Haridas Thakur. Though there was none to stand in the way of Haridas Thakur going to the temple or to any other sacred place, he was never a supporter of entering the temple by his own initiative or by force, disregarding all the social barriers. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself came to meet Haridas Thakur. He was engaged in performing his usual kirtan with overflowing love for Sri Krishna. Noticing Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he fell prostrate at his feet. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, raising Haridas Thakur from the ground, embraced him with boundless joy, though the latter, out of his characteristic humility, tried to prevent Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from touching him. He said, O oh my Lord, Pray do not touch this untouchable, this meanest of the beings. Both of them were lost in spiritual rapture, and tears of ineffable joy flowed from their eyes. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu retorted, I touch you for my own purification. I am not favored with the power to purify others as you are. At all times you are taking bath in all the sacred rivers, and you are ever performing all sacrifices, penances, and charity. Always you are studying the Vedas, and you are purer than and superior to all the so-called Brahmins or sannyasis. So saying, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu conducted him to the flower garden, situated close by, and offered a solitary place for his residence, which Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had reserved specially for him earlier, and advised him thus, Make yourself comfortable here, and carry on your devotional practices undisturbed. I shall certainly meet you daily. Bow down to the disk of the temple of Sri Jagannath from here. I shall make daily arrangements to send you Mahaprasad, food blessed by Krishna. Haridas Thakur carried out the advice of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the letter. One day with great joy, Govinda, the personal attendant of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, came to Haridas Thakur with Mahaprasad from Lord Jagannath's temple. To the surprise of Govinda, Haridas Thakur lay still on his bed, a rare thing at that time of the day. He was chanting the holy name in a low voice, and very slowly. 
Govinda said, Kindly get up and have your prasad. Haridas Thakur replied that he would observe a fast on that day, as he could not complete his usual quota of names of God to be chanted. He could not also disregard the Mahaprasad, so he got up, bowed down to it, and honored the same by partaking a small quantity. Another day, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to meet his favorite devotee and inquired, How do you feel, Haridas? Haridas Thakur replied, My Lord, physically I am fit, but mentally and intellectually I am rather feeling weak. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked, What is the trouble with you? Speak frankly. I am unable to complete my regular quota of chanting the Lord's names. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu suggested, Haridas, you are pretty old now. Why don't you reduce your quota of names? You are a realized soul. Why should you now insist on completing your daily set quota of names? You have taken your advent for redeeming the world. You have tasted enough sweetness of the holy names. You have also spread the glory of the divine name in the world. Now reducing your daily quota of names, perform your chanting. Thakur said, Pray hear the humble request of this unworthy servant. I have taken birth in a low community with a most abominable body. The whole of my life is wasted in loathsome activities and I am the most unlucky and fallen wretch. You have delivered such a person utterly unworthy of even being seen by others from the unfathomable depths of the worst hell and lifted him to the most coveted land of incomparable bliss. You are the Supreme Lord, whose will is law. The infinite universes move by your free will and move at your bidding. By your inconceivable powers you perform unimaginable marvels. You convert a crow into the king of birds. By your causeless mercy you may you made me dance in various ways. By your grace, I, though untouchable, could eat the food prepared by the most orthodox of Brahmins. Since long, I have been having a great premonition. Somehow, I know not why, it appears to me that you may conclude your role in this world soon. Oh, my Lord, be merciful to save me from that most heart-rending scene. I shall not be able to bear it. Let me be permitted to breathe my last before you leave this world. Holding your lotus feet on my breast, my eyes gazing on your moonlike face, and my tongue uttering your name, Shri Krishna Chaitanya, I yearn to give up my life. If you are gracious to me, O embodiment of kindness, have the mercy to grant me this favor. Let this blameable body of mine fall before you. Please, fulfill the long-cherished desire of this insignificant servant. On hearing these humble, devotional, and touching words of Haridas Thakur, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied, Haridas, 
Shri Krishna is an ocean of mercy. Certainly he will fulfill your desire. But what about me? All my happiness is in your company. Hence, is it proper on your part to leave me and go away? At this pathetic expression of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Haridas Thakur caught hold of his feet and prayed, My Lord, kindly do not deceive me. Please do not have any more attachment to this trifling being. Undoubtedly you will grant me this prayer of mine. There are innumerable devotees of great eminence who are always present here to assist you in your pastimes. How does it matter if a worm like me leaves you? Does Mother Earth feel the loss of an ant in any way? You are ever merciful to your devotees. I am a humble reflection of a true devotee of yours. Have mercy and fulfill my prayer. On hearing these repeated entreaties of Haridas Thakur, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, assuring him that he would meet him the next day, embraced him and departed for performing his noonday bath. The next morning, after paying respects to Lord Jagannath, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu visited Haridas Thakur early in the morning, accompanied by all his devotees. Haridas Thakur worshipped the feet of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the devotees. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked, Haridas, what is the news? And Haridas Thakur replied, My Lord, as you command. Forthwith, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked his devotees to perform congregational chanting. Prominent devotees like Svarup Damada, Bhakvishvar Pandit, Ramananda Rai and Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya joined the Sankirtan. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself sang the glories of Haridas Thakur in a most impressive way. His words moved the heart of every devotee present there. Haridas Thakur was now convinced that the merciful Lord would grant his prayer and that he must avail himself of this great opportunity for fulfilling his long-cherished desire. Haridas Thakur accordingly requested Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to take his seat exactly in front of him. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did so. Haridas Thakur fixed his eyes on the face of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as bees remained fixed on a lotus petal. He clasped both the feet of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to his bosom, took the foot dust of all the other devotees on his head, repeatedly uttered the name of Sri Krishna Chaitanya, and drank the nectarine beauty of his moonlike face. With a holy name in his mouth, the great Haridas Thakur breathed his last. Loud chanting rent the sky. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, transported with spiritual ecstasy, became extremely uncontrollable. He lifted up the body of Haridas Thakur and danced in spiritual rapture. Every other devotee present there could experience an irresistible inspiration. 
all of them were dancing and singing the name of the Lord in the company of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, saturated with unbounded joy. After performing Sankirtan for some time, they placed the body of Haridas Thakur in a specially decorated palanquin and took out a great procession amidst loud chanting of the holy name. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself led the procession, dancing ahead. The procession marched directly to the sea. There the body of Haridas Thakur was given a bath. While doing so, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu declared, The sea has become a great holy place from today. Since then, that bathing god of Haridas Thakur is considered to be a holy spot in the sea at Puri. Every devotee took the foot wash of Haridas Thakur. They applied to his body the sandal paste brought to the occasion from the temple of Lord Jagannath, and with all customary observances, his body was placed in the earth amidst loud chanting by all the devotees. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself placed the sand first on his body. A beautiful tomb was constructed, and even today it is a place of great importance at Puri. The party of devotees headed by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, after performing Sankirtan for some time, circumambulated the tomb and came to the gate of Lord Jagannath's temple. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, spreading his own cloth, begged alms of Mahaprasad. Everyone dealing with the Mahaprasad gave wholeheartedly whatever quantity they could afford. Within a short interval, a huge quantity of Mahaprasad was collected and a grand feast was given. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, with his own hands, served Mahaprasad sumptuously to one and all. On completion of honoring Mahaprasad, he presented to all the devotees garlands and sandal paste and showered boons on all those who partook of the function. He assured them of the attainment of seeing Lord Krishna soon as a result of seeing Haridas Thakur. He said, Lord Krishna, by his causeless mercy, favored me with his company. Lord Krishna's will is independent. He has deprived me today of Haridas's company. When Haridas willed that he must leave the world, how could I keep him here? By his sweet will, he left the world as did the great Bhishma of hallowed memory. Haridas was the crest jewel of the world. By his departure, the earth is devoid of her treasure. With these words, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu danced, uttering the words, All glory to Haridas. All the other devotees followed Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They too repeated, Glory to the great Haridas, who proclaimed the transcendental glories of the Holy Name. Thus, the most glorious, inspiring and exemplary career of Haridas Thakur as the great Namacharya teacher of the name, to our utter ill luck, is closed from the view of the people of this world. No material words, however rich they may be, are adequate enough to express the glories of this great saint 
one of the most favorite eternal associates of Lord Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. All glories to Haridas Thakur. All glories to the great mantra of salvation, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, which he chanted continuously. And all glories to all the devotees of the Lord who chanted regularly, purifying the world of its illusions and ignorance. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. This program has been produced by Radio Krishna at the KHQN Studios in Los Angeles. Your narrator was Amala Bhaktadas, and the engineering and musical selections were under the direction of Ibavi Devidasi. Hare, 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 Hare.